Church family, welcome to Christ Community Church Online. We are thrilled to have you joining us today. I'm Shayla. And I'm Amy. And we're excited to host today's service. Do we have any kids out there? Are you ready for something ultimately uber exciting? VBS Reimagined starts this weekend. Our kickoff drive through is this Sunday night, July 19th from 6 to 8 p.m. in the CCC parking lot. And the fun doesn't end there. The rest of the week will be exploding with exciting activities via online videos that you'll be able to watch wherever you are. Parents, haven't registered yet? No problem. Just drive up on the night of and we'll get your kids ready for the fun. It'll be such a fantastic time. We can't wait for you to join us. We are all about the kids today. We have an awesome opportunity for kids ages three by September 1st through sixth grade called Awana. It's a night filled with games, Bible lessons, worship, and scripture memorization. Our early bird registration ends this Monday, July 20th. Sign up by then and you will save $10 per child. While we are unsure of exactly what Awana will look like, we will keep you updated on the exciting things we have planned. We are just about to get started with Christ Community Church Online. So whoever you're joining us today, we welcome you to lean into what God has for you during this service. So let's make some joyful noise and worship our King. Hey church, as it says in Psalms 100, let's enter into his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise and give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord our God is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues for each generation. So with that, let's worship together today. This is the day. This is the day you have made Whatever comes, I won't complain For all my hope is in your name Now your joy awaits in my praise Let's give thanks I give thanks for all you have done And I will sing and your love, your love is failing. Lord, I am grateful. When I was down, you brought me out and set my feet on higher ground. So here I stand. God, your faithfulness, my solid rock. I give thanks for all you have done, and I will sing of your mercy and your love. Your love is failing, Lord, I am grateful. I give thanks for all you have done. I won't forget. Grateful. 
you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good victory that we have in your name, the confidence that we can have in the name of Jesus, God. It's because of what you did on that cross for us, that we can see the victory in the end. And we know because of your faithfulness that the battle has already been won, God. So we praise you for that, God. As we continue to go into your word today, let's continue to work on our hearts, Father. Point us to you. Now let us be distracted on what's going on around us, God. Just focus our minds and our hearts on you, God, and we're so thankful for who you are that we get to spend this moment with you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Welcome back, everyone. And for those of you just joining us now, I'm Shayla. And I'm Amy. And thank you so much for joining us for worship today. Now, because of your faithful giving, we are able to support some pretty incredible people in ministries. We cannot thank you enough for this generosity. We want to share with you today just one example of how your giving is making a difference. Watch this. Hi, Christ community. My name is Jamie Rudin. I'm from right here in Rochester, Minnesota. I just finished up my basketball career at Arizona State University, and now I'm headed back to ASU, working full-time as a campus, campus missionary through Athletes in Action. 
Um, and I'm so grateful for Christ Community. God used this church throughout my childhood to establish the foundation of the gospel message and to show me who Jesus truly is. And now I'm excited to go back to ASU to reach student athletes with the gospel, to build them up through mentorship and fellowship, um, and to see God transform their lives for his kingdom. Thank you so much for being a part of this mission. Again, we just want to give a huge thanks for your generosity because you're helping to empower and equip people just like Jamie to live out our mission of restoring our broken world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you would like to join us in worship through giving, we would encourage you to take this opportunity and click on the Give link on your screen or on our Facebook post. Thanks in advance for your continued generosity. If you're new to joining us, thank you so much for tuning in to our online church experience. We are so glad to have you here. Whether you've been with us for years or this is your first time watching us online, we are excited to welcome you to our church. We would like to invite you to fill out our online connection card. It's a great way for us to help get you connected here at CCC. You can find this by clicking the connect link on your screen or in the Facebook post, or you can click on the live prayer button and one of our service hosts would be happy to get you connected that way too. We look forward to connecting with you. It is a great blessing to be able to come before the Lord in prayer. We can present our requests before him knowing that he hears us. We would love to join with you today in lifting up your specific needs and praises. At any point during our service, if you would like prayer, our hosts are available on our streaming service through the live prayer feature. There are also many opportunities to receive prayer at any time during the week. You can check these out on the prayer section of our website. We want to continue to partner with you in prayer any way that we can because it is so powerful, especially during these uncertain times. Thanks again for tuning in to Christ Community Church Online. Now, here's the message from Andy. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Then you can now glimpse the future with nothing more than a modem, a phone line. I have a dream today. For them, treating coronavirus has an extra layer of stress. As a soldier, though a soldier of peace. to try to help just after those harrowing explosions rocked the finish line of the Boston Marathon. When a man walked to the middle of the avenue of eternal peace. Freedom for all mankind. A fireman carried an American flag to the mast and raced it. Hey CC family, Pastor Andy here bringing you the message this week. I just want to give a personal thanks to Daryl and the team for letting us out of you know our offices up in the warehouse. It's always fun when the youth guys get to join the adults in big church, uh, even if it's online virtually with you all. Uh, so I'm excited to be here. Uh, we're going to be in week three of this series that we've been doing called Defining Moments. Uh, week one, 
Daryl talked us through Adam and Eve and, and some of the, the key moments in their lives, specifically what he called the second defining moment in all of scripture, when God comes to them and says, hey, where are you? What are you doing? And, and gives them uh, new clothes and, and they have to go on their way and respond in faith. And then last week he talked about Naaman and how he was healed, but only when he was willing to humble himself and say, all right, God, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna do what you tell me to do. And this week, week three of defining moments, we're going to be looking at an idea that I think is often talked about in church, and it's this idea of calling. Now, it's mentioned a lot, but I think that there's almost this like Disney-esque idea about calling. Like, like calling is this thing that, that we, you know, are a Disney princess for, and it's this destiny that's magical out somewhere in the great beyond, and we'll sing a lovely song, and birds will come and land on our shoulders, and we've reached our calling, uh, but we're going to be taking a look at uh, how that's not quite how calling plays itself out. Uh, as funny as it is to view calling as kind of this like almost Disney princess existence, this destiny of our ancestors kind of deal, I think that that thinking brings up a very real misconception about calling that many of us have. And that is this, that calling is some distant thing in the future that we have to make all of the right decisions for or we'll miss it. It's that it's this thing that's, that's out there in the, in the great distance. And, and if I don't make all the right decisions in my career, if I don't marry the right person and live in the right town and have the right number of kids and, and say the right things at the right moments, if I don't make all of these right choices, I'm somehow gonna miss my calling that's way out there in the future somewhere. But the reality about calling that we're gonna be looking at is that it is today, now, as we obey God and glorify him by the way that we live our lives in response to his love. And to do that, uh, I, well, one, I think that that reality about calling actually kind of fits uh, f- the Frozen 2 analogy that Daryl used several weeks back in one of his messages, the song where uh, it's sung, you know, I'm gonna do the next right thing. Like, I'm going to make the next right choice. And, and that is truly the reality for the character that we're going to be looking at today to study this idea of calling. And that is a young Jewish woman by the name of Esther. Now, Esther is so cool that she has her own book of the Bible. It is uh, right after Ezra and right before the book of Job. If you open up your Bible, it's about like a third of the way in there. So If you've got an actual Bible that you're reading through and looking at, you're welcome to open up with me. We're going to mostly be in Esther chapter four, but I want to give you guys kind of the setup uh, of what we're looking at, what the story of Esther is. So it starts in Esther chapter one, and there's a king, and he's the king of all of Persia. This is about 800 years or so uh, before Jesus actually came. So this is a long, long time ago. And there's the king of Persia is hanging out. He's throwing a party because he's the king of an empire that spans from India all the way to Ethiopia. I mean, it covers a massive stretch of land. And so he's feeling himself. He's throwing a party. He's having a great time. And then he remembers, oh yeah, I'm the king and I'm married to a super awesome queen. And so he sends a messenger over to his queen, Queen Vashti. And he says, Queen Vashti, I think you should come down and party with me and my people. I want to show you off how awesome and beautiful you are. Won't you come hang out with me? And Queen Vashti says, no, I've already, you know, taken my makeup off for the evening and I've put my mask on. Not the kind that we have to wear, but you know, like with the cucumbers and everything. And, and I'm hanging out. I'm, I'm about ready to go to bed. I'll pass. And this makes the king quite mad because when you're the king, people don't say no to you, not even the queen. And so he flicks Queen Vashti out of the castle and exiles her and says like, no more of her. But then he gets sad. 
And when the king is sad, people get beheaded a lot and taxes go up and things are just all around kind of a bummer. And so his advisors and his leaders, they all get together and they have a little meeting and they say, listen, we've got to handle this king business. Uh, it's, it's kind of miserable right now. And they decide on a plan. They go to the king and they say, king, we're going to be hosting a, a brand new thing that we think you're going to love uh, when we're going to call it Persian Idol. And basically, we're going to grab all of the most awesome young women that are available in the Persian Empire, and we're going to bring them, and you'll be the only judge, and you just get to pick whichever one you think is the coolest and the most beautiful and the most amazing. And so they, they go and they gather all these people, and one of them happens to be a young Jewish orphan by the name of Esther who's being raised by her cousin Mordecai. And she happens to be the most awesome and the most beautiful, and she pleases the king the most. Uh, read into that what you will. And so Esther gets chosen to be the queen of all of Persia. Well, there's another guy in the story, and uh, his name is Haman, and he's number two to the king, and he's not a very nice dude. He's kind of got a big head, and so he's rolling around uh, out and about, and he's having people bow down to him because he's awesome, and he's number two. And Esther's cousin Mordecai refuses to bow down because he'll only bow down before a God. He won't bow down before a man. And this makes Haman really angry. And so Haman goes to the king and says, King, there's a group of people. They have different rules than you. They don't do your stuff. Uh, how about I kill them all and I'll give you a bunch of money? And the king says, I like money. I don't know who these people are. You go for it. And so Haman sets about on this plan to kill all the Jews. Well, Mordecai happens to do another thing in the midst of this story. He actually hears about a plot to kill the king and ends up telling the king about it and saving the king's life. And that gets written down in a little history book, which will come into play later. So Mordecai, though, he hears about the Haman's plan to kill all of the Jews, and it breaks his heart. And he, he tears his clothes, and he's weeping, and he covers himself in a sackcloth and ashes, and he's uh, just weeping and sobbing at the gate of the palace. And Esther finds out about it, and, and she sends a messenger to Mordecai. Hey, what's going on? Like, like why are you crying? And, and Mordecai replies back to her, and he says, Esther, your people are going to be killed. Like, the Jews are, are going to be executed because of Haman. You have to do something about it. And we see that interaction starting in Esther chapter 4, starting in verse 10. Esther's response to Mordecai and him saying, like, Esther, you've got to go. You've got to go. You're the queen. You've got to go say something to the king. And so in Esther chapter 4, starting in verse 10, Esther responds this way. It says, Then Esther spoke to Hathak and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death, except to the one whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. So Esther says, Mordecai, listen, I understand that we're in a predicament. I understand that the Jews are in a bad situation. But you see, uh, if anyone goes into the king without being invited, without the king asking for them to come to him, they get put to death. And, and not only that, but, but Mordecai, don't you see, like, it's not like the king and I were hanging out last night and I can just pop my head in and be like, hey, hey, you remember me? I'm your wife, you know? Uh, no, I, I haven't seen this guy in a month, which means the king was likely with other women because he's the king and he can do what he wants even when it's not really nice. And so she's like, look, the, the king hasn't even bothered with me for a month. Why in the world would he allow me to live? But I think what Esther reveals in this response to Mordecai is something that's very true for us as well, and it's this, that our plan 
Our, our thoughts for our lives, Austin, has two parts. Our calling and our comfort. And this, this has been true for me in my life as well. Before I became a believer, I had a very clear idea of how I wanted my life to go. I felt kind of a calling on my life, this, this idea of like, okay, God, not God, because I wasn't a believer yet, but I knew that I had the ability to communicate and share ideas and interact with people and, and have dialogue really well, and I was comfortable with words, so I was, I was I'm going to do that. But I'm going to do it in such a way, I'm going to find a job and a career using those skills that makes me as much money as possible. So I recognized kind of this calling on my life that I didn't recognize as a calling yet, but this ability and gifting to communicate and use words and interact with people. But I also had this comfort in my life as well. I've, I've got, I want to make money. And it wasn't so that I could provide really well for my family and be generous. It was so that I could be safe, so that I could buy the cool things and have what I wanted and never rely on anybody and make all my own choices and be my own God. And Esther reveals here that she has sort of a similar thing. She's saying, look, listen, I'm the queen and I get that. That's where I'm at. And, and I've been obviously put in this position, not necessarily by my own choice, but I'm here. But I'm also, I, I'm comfortable. I figured out how the politics work and when and when I shouldn't talk to the king. And, and that if I kind of stay to myself, then I won't be bothered very much. I'm good where I'm at. I've got my bubble. But here's the reality is that our comfort distorts our calling. Our comfort, this bubble that we are comfortable to live in, takes our calling, that thing from God, those abilities and gifts and passions that he has for us, and it twists it just enough that we're not living fully in to our calling. And so Esther kind of reveals this to Mordecai. She's like, hey, look, I, I, I get that I'm in this cool position, but, but I'm good. I'm comfortable where I am. Thankfully, Mordecai is ready with a response. In verse 12, it says, And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. And then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think that in the king's palace you will escape any more than the other Jews. Verse 14, For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise from the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Stop there. Mordecai, in his response to Esther, reveals two things that I think are very true for us today as well. The first thing he says right there at the beginning of verse 14, says, for if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. Mordecai says to Esther, Esther, God will still accomplish his plan. It doesn't matter if you obey or not. God is still going to protect his people. He's still going to make it happen. He doesn't need you to make the right choice in this moment. He is still going to protect his people. Now, it might look a little different. Maybe that means that God will raise up a warlord within the Jewish people who will fight back against Persia and save them, but there will be tons of death and destruction. Who knows? And, and Esther, you might be able to prevent that, but God is still going to accomplish his plan. It doesn't matter what you do. And that would be true for my life too. If I had chosen to walk down that path and pursue those other things, if I had never said yes to Jesus when I was 15 and, and recognized that God had been calling me into student ministries, there would still be someone standing here opening up God's word and sharing truth from it. It wouldn't be me and my life would be a mess, but God would still be accomplishing what he set out to accomplish. Now, there might be an easy temptation with that thinking to say, great, well, then if God's going to accomplish what he's going to accomplish, and I like my bubble a whole lot because it's chill and I'm comfortable, 
then why should I leave my bubble? Why not let God do his thing and I'll do my thing over here and it'll be just fine? Well, Mordecai doesn't even finish his sentence before he addresses that very thought. He says right there after that first statement, but you and your father's house will perish. The second thing that Mordecai tells Esther in his response is that our comfort will not save us. For me in my own life and my own example, uh, money never would have saved me. I know a lot of people who have a bunch of money and are still battling with health, health issues and problems in their family and people who are hurting and they've lost loved ones and they struggle with addictions or things in their own life that, that they're battling, that they're having a hard time with. The money doesn't protect them. You see, the funny thing about a bubble is a comfort bubble is just the same as any other bubble. It's very easy to pop and it doesn't actually protect you from anything. And so Mordecai responds to Esther with this. He says, Esther, look, listen, one, God is still gonna do what he's gonna do and your comfort's not gonna save you anyway. And then he follows it up with something just incredibly powerful. And this is a phrase that is one of the more quoted phrases in the entire Bible at the end of verse 14, Mordecai says this, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Translation, Esther, this is your moment. This is your defining moment. This is that time that God has called you to. This is that thing that he's made you for, that he's prepared you for, that he's got you ready for. Don't you see that you've got the ability and the position and the opportunity to make a powerful difference in someone's life? And he also in that communicates something that is universally true for all of us as well. And that is that we are made for our calling. We are made for the thing that God has for us that's right there in front of us. Every single person who's sitting right there on the couch or wherever you are watching this right now online, God has something powerful for you opportunities and abilities and gifts and talents and resources that he has put in your life for you to use in a powerful way that other people don't have. We are made for our calling. Thankfully, Esther sees this response from Mordecai. She sees what he's saying and she responds. It says in verse 15, then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go, Gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. And do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will fast also as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And then she hits him with the big line. And if I perish, I perish. If I die, I die. Even if, even if I go to my death for this, I'm gonna do it. I hear you. This is my moment. This is my defining moment that God has for me. And the cool thing about that is that Esther recognizes the truth that God keeps our calling. And he asks us to give up our comfort, causing us to trust him. Uh, this was, again, written hundreds of years before the New Testament was written, but Esther's response perfectly embodies a verse out of the New Testament, 2 Timothy 1.7, which says that we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and self-control. 
Esther's like, all right, I've got this. I'm going to trust God in this. I'm going to go and I'm going to start by, by fasting and I, I'm going to listen and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait and I'm going to prepare myself and then I'm going to go and I'm going to step into this opportunity, this calling that God has for me. And man, I am ever so thankful that God did the same thing in my life when he got hold of my heart when I was 15. And then soon after that, about a year later, called me into student ministries. And I, began, I recognized that calling. I was able to say, all right, God, I trust you with this. And it wasn't necessarily an easy road. There were several opportunities coming out of high school and then throughout college where I could have veered off into different paths that would have made more, you know, been more focused on that money that I had idolized and wanted for so long. But, but God kept reminding me, no, I've got you. I'm going to take care of you. And sure enough, here I am. I've landed in a church that takes incredible care of their staff. And not just financially, but in life balance and in love for each other and, and making sure that we maintain balance with each other and care for each other well, something that I would not have gotten if I had, had stepped into one of those business jobs where I could have been working 80, 90, 100 hours a week. Instead, I'm in a place where, where I'm being taken care of way better than anything else could possibly have taken care of me. And that's so incredibly exciting. God does that way better than anything, any comfort that we could have for ourselves. And sure enough, God takes care of Esther as well in a powerful and really cool way. You see, um, Esther goes to the king. And the king holds out that golden scepter. He's like, there's my beautiful wife. I remember, you know, that I saw last month. Uh, and he holds out his scepter and Esther goes and, and she proves that she's not only beautiful, but she's equipped for politics. She's got the mind for it. And she invites the king to a banquet and she invites, you guessed it, Haman too. And she just throws him a party and has a great time with him and, and says, hey, I've got something I want to ask you, but let's have another banquet again. Well, Haman goes off and has another interaction with Mordecai that makes him even more angry and he gets ready and plans to kill Mordecai. But thankfully that night, the king can't sleep. He's got some dreams and he's, he, can't, he can't sleep. And so he calls in one of his scribes to read him a bedtime story and it happens to be one of his history books. And sure enough, what story does he read the king but the time of when Mordecai saved his life and stopped the plot to kill him. And so the next day he goes to Haman. He says, Haman, what would you do if you wanted to honor somebody above all other people? And, and Haman, thinking that the king's talking about him, says, oh, I'd throw him a parade and I'd hustle him around town and I'd show him off and I'd have people bow to him. And the king's like, awesome, do that for that Mordecai fellow. And Haman's like, no, like that's the guy I hate. And so Mordecai's got to walk around town, uh, you know, on a horse with Haman leading him around and, and getting praise from everybody. And Haman hates it, of course. And then Esther invites Haman and the king to that second banquet that she asked him to come to, and she reveals Haman's plot to kill the Jews, including her and Mordecai. And the king is furious, and he, he has Haman killed on the same gallows that he had planned to kill Mordecai on. And Mordecai becomes number two, and the Jews are saved, and they prosper, and God is glorified in a powerful way because Esther stepped into her calling and abandoned her comfort and said, I'm going to trust you, God, in this. And reality is this, we serve a God who is ready and waiting to use us in every moment. We serve a God who is ready to take hold of us and say, I'm gonna use you, not because he, he needs us, but because he loves us and he wants to use us for powerful things. He wants to use us to be ambassadors of grace and truth in a world that is broken and hurting and, and struggling through a lot of things right now, in a world that doesn't feel safe, in a world that feels very scary. 
God wants to use us in a powerful way in each and every moment. That's the kind of God that we serve. Now, in my personal example, kind of all throughout uh, this message, I talked about how money was, was a big idol in my life. It was something I struggled with, and I want to make very clear that money is not a problem. I have a friend named Jacob uh, who I met at a leadership camp several years ago, and he was telling me his story about how he grew up in Lebanon with his parents who were missionaries who were translating the Bible and, and doing all this really cool stuff and reaching unreached people. And I was like, man, Jacob, that's awesome, dude. So are you wanting to be a missionary? You want to be a pastor? What's, what's your thing, man? And kind of hung his head a little bit and got a little nervous. And he was like, actually, I'm, I think I want to go into business. I said, why? Like, like tell, me, tell me a little bit about that. What's that mean for you? He said, Andy, there's a lot of people who really love Jesus who are working in churches or are missionaries and all that kind of stuff. He said, I want to be, be just as passionate of a believer, but out there in, in the public sphere, in the world, as a godly husband and godly father and, and a man of integrity, leading well in business and making money and, and supporting the church and supporting missionaries like my parents and, and doing all this kind of cool stuff for God. And I, I paused for a minute and I looked at my friend Jacob and I said, Jacob, man, you're going into full-time ministry because you've got the right mindset. The reality is for, for all of us who are, who are watching this right now, God's got something for you. And it doesn't necessarily mean standing on a stage or, or being across the world in some other country. It might mean sitting in an office or in business meetings or, or out on the road doing things, representing Jesus every single day. And so I would ask the question, what is it that God's got for you? What is it, what's that thing? So I've got a few discussion questions for us as we wrap up and get ready to leave. Uh, the first one is, is, what have the two parts of your plan been? When you, when you think about kind of your plan in life, that calling piece, that opportunity, gifting, ability, treasure, op- whatever, and comfort. What's that thing that, that maybe is a bit of an idol in your life or something that you trust in that's not God? What's that thing, that comfort that might be holding you back? What's that bubble you're sitting in? Number two, Have you ever trusted in a comfort and had it fall through? Have you ever trusted in something that wasn't God and and had it fail you? Whether it was money or education or or just human knowledge and smart decision-making. Have you ever had something that you trusted in that wasn't God and then had it fall through? And then three, what do you feel like you need to trust God with to live into your calling? Maybe it is that bubble. Maybe it's that comfort, that thing that, that is kind of sitting there as, a, as an idol in your life or, or just something that you're relying on. Maybe it's your kids or your family. Maybe, maybe it's just people that you care about or, or uncertainty about a job or, or whatever. What is that thing that you need to say, God, I trust you with this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this to you and I'm gonna live into what you have for me. And then number four, what is God calling you into now. Now, as a youth pastor, this would be a really good opportunity for me to plug student ministries and talk about how awesome students are and about how serving with them is incredible and about how you get to build like these awesome life relationships and and see incredible change in their lives and and all this cool stuff and how much fun that we have. But I'm not going to do that because that would be underhanded and and mean. So instead, I'm just going to say, what is it? You know, what's that thing that, that, that God is calling you to live into right now? And maybe it's just helping out and serving on a weekend to start. I can tell you, especially right now, we need some help. Maybe it's, you know, smiling through the mask and, and opening doors or ushering people and checking people in. Or, or if you're a student, 
holding signs out in the parking lot and waving at people as they come in and, and making them smile. Maybe it's helping out with Kid City when we, when we get the ability to open that up again. What is it that God's calling you to live into right now in this moment? So thank you guys uh, for joining us again today. And I'll just pray to close us. God, I'm just so incredibly thankful that you desire to use us. You don't need to, but you want to. You love us and you've called us into something greater. So God, I pray for courage and for trust and for faith, for that, that spirit of power over each and every one of us as we make a choice to live into our calling every day. I pray that you would, would call us out of our comfortable bubbles and into the great things that you have for us. God, we love you. We trust you and we give you praise. It's in your name we pray, amen. You guys have a great week. We'll see you next time. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. If there are any needs in our church or in our community that you are aware of, please share those with us because we want to help. You can do this by contacting the church office or by going to the service opportunity tool on our website. We will work with you to figure out how CCC can help. Thank you for choosing Christ Community Online for your church experience today.